impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show on the internet for small business growth. If you are a solo entrepreneur, you are in the right place. Even if you have a small team, you're going to do really, really well here. My name is Steve Warner. I am your host today. I am joined by Raven M. Harris. She is amazing. She helps millennial entrepreneurs, mostly women, figure out what their main calling is in life, what their big why is, and at the same time shows them how to make more money. She has an awesome podcast called Reset with Raven. If you guys want to check it out, it's in the show notes down below. Raven, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you, Steve, for having me. No problem. It is my pleasure. So, I mean, you've had, we talked a little bit off camera before we came on. And I mean, you've had a pretty cool experience getting to where you are. I mean, you teach leadership, you help women kind of break out of, you know, what am I doing, the funk that they're floating around in. But I, what I really want to know is how did you get started with this? Because usually we coach people on the same journey that we had. So kind of walk me through, where did this all start for you? Did you have a moment where you just like woke up one day and you were like, I'm not working no more. I'm going to do my own thing, what I really want to do. How'd it go for you? The great awakening, huh? So uh, like many people, 2020 was um, a, an awakening for me. So let me just tell you a little bit about my backstory and, and really how I arrived to where I am today. So Almost a year ago, I was working in a critical illness recovery hospital in the Phoenix, Arizona area, and I was the interim chief executive officer of this particular hospital um, during the pandemic, and I was a patient advocate for many patients, but I was the patient advocate for one patient who reminded me of myself. This particular patient had a C2 spinal injury, which means they were paralyzed from the neck down, um, what we call in healthcare, complete quad. And the patient looked like me. The patient was the same age as me. And the patient was in a freak accident that really changed their life. And I remember being in that hospital room. I would FaceTime with their, with their mom. I would FaceTime with their um, daughter and some of their siblings. And this was one of the experiences where even when I was in the rooms, when I was talking, giving the family updates, because at the time there was no visitation, I remember I had to hold back tears. And I remember how I felt and I remember you know, we all think that we have time and we do, but how much of it? And this really, 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 um, it affected me. It affected me. So when you say, I mean, first off, that's pretty powerful, right? Seeing anybody that we can put ourselves in their shoes and be like, man, like you're learning the life lesson without having to, you know, have the injury or become paralyzed. Um, I can imagine 
how that would bring up some tears for sure. And how that would be emotional. So what was the, so you called it your great awakening. Like what happened? What was, what did you do? Like, did this take a little bit of time and, and you just decided like you needed to move on? What happened? So for me, what happened was it went back to time, right? I thought that I had so much time to live out my dreams. And this patient and I, when I would go in their room, they would just cry and feel like their life is over. And I remember thinking, I have my whole life ahead of me. I have my limbs. I have my voice. I'm able to walk, think, talk. But what am I doing with my life? This is not this is not my dream. Walking through this hospital every day, though I'm doing meaningful work, this is not my dream. And I felt I felt like a fish out of water. I felt like there was something bigger, something greater in terms of impact that I was supposed to do. And I said, you know what? Now is the time. Now is the time for you to have your own reset, to have your own transition. And it definitely took time. I call it 50-50 faith. There was 50% of me was like, oh, you 110%, let's go. Let's, let's make that next leap. And then the other 50% of me was filled with fear. But I knew that I couldn't live in regret because there will be a day where I'm in one of those hospital beds. And I want to know that I didn't have any regrets and that I didn't resent myself for not taking that leap of faith. So I resigned. That's pretty awesome. Um, one of my favorite quotes, which I've shared a couple times on here, but I'll say because it fits. Um, I think I want to say it's Jim Rohn. Uh, he says you have two choices. You have the choice, or there are two different pains. You have the pain of regret or the pain of discipline and taking action, right? And that's, I mean, you just exemplified that perfectly. So, how was it? Like, did you write a resignation letter? I did. I did, and. I, I want to say also too, I didn't make this decision like quickly either. And I, I, it took a lot of prayer, meditation, and I talked to a very select few people about, you know, what I was thinking about because I, I knew I didn't want too many people to cloud my judgment when it comes to making a decision like this. But I knew it's one of those things where I knew I, I owed it to myself. I owed it to myself to make sure that I live full. And when you were thinking about talking about quotes, it's a very, I think had I not been in a hospital environment during a pandemic, I wouldn't have made that decision. But when you see so many people passing away and dying every day, it changes your outlook on life. It changes your perspective. And I remember the late, great Dr. Miles Monroe has often said, one of the wealthiest places on the earth is a cemetery, unlived dreams, you know, untapped gifts. And when you're seeing people that look like you, that are the same age as you, that, you know, their entire lives have been turned upside down, whether they're paralyzed or whether they're passing away and they didn't get to live their dreams. I said, who am I not to, to go after what I know is already inside of me because of fear? And I, and I really believe that, you know, when it comes to fear, some, someone told me, they were like, you know what, even if you fall, you'll find your, your wings on the way down, but, but you got to fly. You got to do this. And of course, you know, raving with the birds. So I was like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. So the, um, I mean, you, you just, you, you just 
walk the listeners through some great points. Um, the first one that I want to call out is you didn't talk to everybody about this. You talked to people that I, I don't think you picked people that would tell you to do it or not do it, but you picked selected people that you trusted. I think a lot of people, I know when I, when I left my job in 2013, um, as people found out about it, I left a, a six figure corporate job and people were like, what are you doing? And like, I had to be, I put like really solid walls up where I just had conversations. I was like, please don't talk to me about my job or my career or what I'm doing. Like, I appreciate your friendship or, you know, I appreciate that you're in my family because there were family members who did it, but this is what I'm doing. And if you can't be on board with it, I don't want to lose our friendship over it. Just, we're not going to talk about it. Um, nowadays I have, I have a list of about six people. So I mean, this is a training I'll give anyone on this podcast. So, uh, Julie Stolian taught me this. It's a, you draw a cross on a paper, right? In the upper left goes two to three influencers in the upper right goes two or three friends in the bottom left goes two or three employees. And on the bottom right goes two or three customers. Those are the only people that are allowed to give you feedback on anything outside of that list, because it, that way it's not like shiny object. Right. Um, and that, that served me really well. I learned that like four years ago and I was like, Oh my goodness, I still have it. I have it here on my desk. Um, and I, I always ask myself if I'm listening to something, I'm like, are they on that list? Cause you can still learn, right. I still watch some YouTube videos or whatever, but am I really going to listen and implement? Not if they're not on that list. I love so, that you bring that up because I call them my fab five, my top five or my board of governors who mm -hmm. I talked to this about. And the, and the thing about when it comes to vision, everyone else wasn't given the vision. So their opinion sometimes, even though, and as you mentioned, family, even though well-intended, they don't see what you see. They don't have that inner tug, or I call it that download that I knew, like, I mean, burning inside of me, like Raven, you, you have to go. You, you'll be upset with you if you don't take this leap of faith. The, the job will be there, healthcare will be there. If that's something that you need to return to, it will be there. But this opportunity, this time in your life will not be there. And I love that you said that, like, you know, you, you, you have your six people, I call them my fab five. These are my board of governors and these are the people that I'm going to talk to because other people will give you maybe well-intended, but advice that's not appropriate for your particular situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then you took, you didn't make a snap decision, right? I, I, I'm going to throw stones at Grant Cardone a little bit here. Um, people say, you know, decisions are made in an instant, blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. They're made well, good decisions are made with some time because you weigh the, the outcomes, you think about different things, and then you make the decision that you can commit to any decision that I think anyone has stuck with for a long period of time requires some form of thought. It might be 24 hours. It might be a week. I think anything beyond a week gets a little bit long and like you start to lose, lose momentum with the decision maybe, but how long was your decision? That's where I wanted to go with this. How long did it take you from like having some of these conversations with this patient to thinking about it, to then writing the resignation letter? And then I, what I really want to know is how long did it take from the time you wrote the letter to the time you submitted it? Oh, that's a great question. So I, I saw the patient for weeks, quite frankly, what really was like, 
the, the, the nail in the coffin for me was on my birthday. Uh, my birthday is Juneteenth, June 19th. And I remember like a feeling of, I was thinking about life expectancy. And my cousin is a mortician. He's a licensed funeral director. So we talk about death and life all the time. And I started thinking about like Raven, a third of your life is already gone. What will you do with the next two thirds? So it was my birthday, Friday, June 19th, where I made the decision. And the resignation letter, even though I was starting to put some things in place, didn't come for about a month after that. But I started preparing and put and positioning myself after that. So it took me a while to come to that decision, but it was my birthday where I was like, oh, I remember thinking I can't go into another birthday, another year of life. Because when, again, when you're seeing so many people pass away and die, you start to think about life. And I thought about the, the turning of a new year for a new birthday, new, new experiences. Um, I, I felt that this is the time you have to do it now. So my birthday was what made me actually, okay, start today, call the moving company. That's the date I called the moving company. So, okay, that, that was actually going to be my next question. How did you go? How did you move? Because, I mean, Phoenix is an all right place. Um, I've spent some time there. It's hot in the summer, but, I mean, it's nice in the winter. How did you make the decision to move, and why was that there? And, like, how did this unfold? Walk us through it. Yeah, so in terms of moving, I am very fortunate that I have a super supportive parents. I am an only child. And it's so funny because we laugh about it. I was like, I haven't lived at home in 13 years. So my parents welcomed me back in and said, you know, until you can figure out what your next is, you're welcome to, to my dad calls it visit. You're welcome to visit here <laughs> as long as you like. So that was my, my next landing place. I came back home after having living here um, over, yeah, over 13 years, moving company, flight, everything. It was actually even my first flight during the um, pandemic. So it was interesting. I actually took some pictures of how like uh, sparse the airport was during that time. But that, that's how I made that uh, transition. I moved everything with a moving company and then I flew and then had my car uh, shipped. Nice. I mean, that's a, that is a step for sure. Were your parents, I, I have to ask, are your parents like, obviously they're supportive as income move in. Are they, are they on your list? Are they on your list? Oh, yeah. Fab five. Okay. They are, they are. We, we, we're pretty tight. We're pretty tight. And, and also too, as I made, as I told them the decision that I was making, they even made the comment. I'm surprised you didn't do it sooner. They know you pretty well then. That's pretty they, awesome. They know me well. And it's interesting how like things in life foreshadow what's to come because I remember just a little bit of background. When I was in uh, undergrad, I was pre-med. In my senior year, I was so annoyed. I think I was like in a physics class and a, like a biochemistry class. And I was like miserable. And my roommate said, she's like, you know why you're miserable, right? You were meant to explain the product or, or sell the product or be on the cover for the product. You're not supposed to be in the lab mixing chemicals. That's why you're miserable. And I kind of laughed it off and ignored it, but she was right. I, that, I'm not meant for the behind the scenes. That's not the way I'm built. That's not the way I designed. That's not where I even get like my energy for, from like mixing chemicals being in a lot. I was, I was out of purpose. I was out of alignment and that's why I was miserable. 
And she saw that years ago. Got it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Like people, it's funny how people, how people like see, see different pieces of us in our past. I've had people come up to me and be like, you know, when you were doing X, Y, Z in, you know, 15 years ago, I knew that you were going to be huge. Um, or I knew that this was going to happen or whatever. It's, it's really, really interesting. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the story so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. So what happened after you move? Like, how did you start taking steps? And like, tell me about some of the people that you've worked with and like some of the stuff that you're doing to create change. Cause I think it's awesome that you're working with millennial women. Um, I think that is, I think they need it a lot. Right. And I, I don't know how to reach them. They're not my audience, but I think that they, I mean, I've had, I've had plenty of conversations. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like, but I want to know what happened once you got there and started the business and started moving. Cause it's a pandemic, oh. right? Yeah, I mean, and to answer your question, there was no started moving once I once I moved home. I remember when I first moved home to just really be quite frank, I I remember like my identity was shaken. There's a transition that many people go through when it comes from transitioning from employee to entrepreneur. And there's a difference in mindset. And also too, I think just to kind of add some context or color around what was going on, like I became the interim CEO of this particular hospital the first Monday in March, and then the pandemic really imploded about a week or two later. So I had gone through my own type of trauma, just in terms of being in a hospital environment with all of this happening. And it wasn't until I talked with some people, hired my own life coach and things like that, that they were, you know, share with me that maybe you need to do some of your own grieving of just what you left and what you are now transitioning into. And the initial thing for me that I had to realize is that my entire identity had been attached to my job and to my title, because quite frankly, I felt pretty accomplished. You know, I was the interim CEO of a hospital before the age of 29. And now when you are starting something different, it felt like, oh, I'm starting over. And, and I, and there was a point where I was discrediting my accomplishments, my knowledge, my experiences, because it's like, well, I'm in a completely different space. Um, and I also too, geographically, I'm in a different space. So the first few months, I really took some time to just relax my mind, try to get at peace with everything, this major transition that I had just gone through. Um, and then afterwards, I hired my own coach and did a lot of self-work, inner work, and started thinking about where I wanted to be of impact. And for me, I think the biggest um, impact that I can have in other young professionals' lives is helping emerging leaders, helping those young professionals figure out how to how to have that, I like to call it work-life rhythm or work-life mm -hmm. integration. I don't believe there's balance, but I call it the work-life rhythm. And 
I also went through my own coaching certification so I could understand um, the foundations of how to be a professional coach. And what I'm working with right now is a, a millennial woman. I actually do have, people ask, well, do you work with men too? I actually do have um, two uh, males that have reached out to me as well. So I work with males as, as well, but my primary um, target or ideal client are, are women. Um, but a lot of people I'm finding that they're trying to find that, I call it professional and purpose alignment. How do I find something that's meaningful and also to where I get paid well. When you think about the millennial um, generation, you know, just even data as well as uh, from personal experience and from people that I'm working with and talking with, this generation is often underemployed, unemployed and has the most student debt. Mm -hmm. So finding a role, um, whether it's um, a role within a company or whether it's being an entrepreneur, that pays you for your gifts and talents and that pays you well, quite frankly, compensates you well, is I think a challenge for a lot of uh, millennials. So working with people to get clarity on what does that next role or opportunity look like and then a strategy for actually being able to pursue that next opportunity. But what I'm finding is that most people, if I ask them, okay, well, what is your ideal role? They don't know. That's so that's um, I have friends uh, who own a company and they have they have about 80 employees under them. Um, it's an app company, but they have found and I thought this was really interesting to, to your point. Exactly. I think a lot of a lot of people in the millennial generation, they're floating around. They've been told, you know, don't work too hard or just work for the money or like I've people in my family have that comment. That's where I'm getting that. But what they have found in their business is when they give the person the identity of like you're important and they make them feel good. That's something that a lot of millennials never got in high school and college. Like they didn't have a solid identity and they definitely didn't have like either a provider identity or a, I need to make money identity, right? It's a little bit different um, from my generation. The it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because I do think that's the big thing because once they have an identity, they want like we all want to feel like we are doing something meaningful. Every human being has that like implanted in us. And I think when you're floating around, you're missing that. But the minute you have an identity that makes you feel purpose, you push forward into it. Um, so you talked a little bit about your identity. I know when I left my corporate job, I moved. I moved to a small town in the middle of nowhere where I didn't know anybody. And like, literally I had like, I had like a, um, to your point about grieving, I had a, I don't know what I would call it, but I wrote down all the pieces that I identified with my old identity. And I wrote them on pieces of paper and burned them like one at a time and had like a, we, we set like a, uh, dream lantern that floats, you know, floats away and like had like a, a ceremony, like saying goodbye to that. Cause it, my identity had been wrapped up in that for a long time. Right. But I knew that in order to shift, I needed to let go of it. So you, congratulations. Like you did a lot of things that were really amazing. Um, so talk to me a little bit about some of the changes that you've seen with clients that you've worked with, um, people that you've helped, because you're relatively new to the space, but you you have your your stuff together and you know what you're doing and you've taken the right steps. So talk to me a little bit about some of the people that you've helped and some of the changes that you've seen. I think the biggest thing is 
again, identifying what they want. If you don't have a target, then it's one of those things like anything will do. If you don't know your direction. So helping people get very clear on what does that, that ideal role or that next look like. Another thing that um, I work with clients on is doing their DISC assessment. Um, for me, um, I'm a high C and, and everyone has a, a, some of the D, the I, the S, the C in them as, you know, and, and it's understanding though how you naturally operate and then what's your adaptive style and knowing how to utilize those to your, to your strength. So for example, as a high C, I'm a very high C. I'm analytical. I, um, one of the words you'll hear is like perfectionist and understanding, okay, how is this a, you know, a gift? And then also to how might um, that hold you back? For example, being a high C, sometimes it's like you'll overanalyze or analysis paralysis and do nothing. So being, so one of the things that I work uh, well with clients on is that self-awareness knowing where there's some areas where things that you are um, talented in or are natural habits or traits of you may also be something that you need to just be aware of because it can hinder you from moving forward. So that's a really good thing. And then another, um, another uh, thing that I work with clients on, I'll, it's called the gains and losses. And it's basically when you're trying to decide whether or not to make a decision or whether or not to do something. Put it, what would you gain by doing this and what would you lose by doing this? And oftentimes what people find, and this has happened to me so many times, is that the thing that you thought, oh my gosh, if I do this, it's such a big deal. It's like, are you really losing, or, or if I don't do this, it's such a, a loss for me. Are you really losing anything? Or you'll find the things that you thought you were losing, they're really not that grand. And I think I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Putting things on paper has been so valuable for me. I call it better out than in. And that's in different like journaling activities, gains and losses activities, skill set inventory activities where people are able to organize their thoughts. Another thing with the millennial generation is that we are experiencing more stress, more anxiety, more depression than any other generation. And a lot of times it's because we're, we have so many racing thoughts in our heads that we haven't organize these things on paper. And then you know what? Sometimes it's something you organize on paper, get it out of your head and just throw it away. And sometimes it's depending on what it is, it's something you'll go back to and revisit in a few days once you've actually got it out of your system. So a lot of guided uh, writing activities I found have been really helpful with clients. And it just depends on where they are, where they feel stuck or where um, they, they need some action or a little bit of push. Awesome. That's a, I'm a huge, I, I tell everybody they should journal. Cause I think that's, I have six whiteboards 
and I have a whiteboard for everything because there's like, well, there's one for ideas. There's one for projects I'm working on. There's one for people, but it gets it out of my head. And I think that is one of the things that allows me to sit down and focus when I'm working, right? Because if I have an idea, I'll just get up and write it on the board and then I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't take up space. Um, I also love the disc assessment. So um, that's a, like, it's a super, super powerful tool to help people. And I think just taking people through that, um, do you mind sharing, I, I know you can't give away too much information because they're clients, but do you mind sharing like just one of the breakthroughs that somebody had? Cause I, I know when I did mine, like it, it, it allowed, like, I was like, oh my goodness, that's why I think this way. And that's okay. And these are my strengths and I don't need to focus on my weaknesses, just focus on strengths. And now that I know what they are, like it kind of made things very clear and gave me permission to move forward. Do you have some stories like that of people that you've taken through? desk? I would say um, one of the things that jumps out to me is working with someone who is in high D. So high Ds, you can think of them as very assertive, natural leaders. However, sometimes the details uh, they're not as concerned with. So one of the things, for example, uh, a, a particular client is looking for a team or a VA, um, a salesperson to add to their particular team. So when I was going through their disc assessment, I was sharing with them that when you are looking for your um, future team members, be sure that you hire someone who is very detail oriented because that is not an area that's one of your natural strengths. So when you are hiring people around you and you are building your team, and even when you have friendships and relationships, knowing where other people have strengths, where it's just not something that just comes natural to you. They're very big picture, go, 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 go. But you miss some things along the way in terms of um, high execution, but missing things that really would make it um, more quality and a better experience for customers or clients. One of the things I share with them is making sure that they hire people that are detail oriented to keep a steady pace and to make sure things are done right along the way. So I think knowing how to um, bring people around you that have some areas of strength that you don't have is one of the things that I do when I work with people on their disc assessment. Awesome. If you had to guess what my disc is, what would you guess it to be? Oh, goodness. Hmm. No perfection allowed. You can't be perfectionistic. Um, the I and the S are coming out for me. I, I'm getting, uh, I think you're a high people person. And I think you're a natural leader as well. Not sure which one uh, you, what is your dominant? Um, let's see. Hmm. That's all right. I'll, you, you, you did pretty well. I don't want to put you on the spot too much. Um, yeah, I is coming out to me. Where, 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 where do you fall on the disc assessment? Now I'm curious. Sure. So I am a 99 D I'm a 95. I, I am a, it's yeah, it was 99, 95, 14, two. Oh, wow. Or two 14. Sorry. Um, so I'm very polarized and like very, uh, I'm very people oriented. I'm very action oriented. Um, very, uh, very big picture details is definitely not my thing. Although I can, I've forced myself through, uh, through routines, right? So we were just talking about whiteboards. The reason that they're there is because it allows me to see what details I need. 
Um, and the team members that I've put around me, we also have like, we have mind maps and processes and I follow my own processes. Like freedom and structure is one of the most profound statements I think anyone could ever make about anything. Like if you have structure to something, it allows you freedom inside of it. So like my day is time blocked, but then inside of those time blocks, I can do whatever I want. Um, same with like my morning routine, like morning routine gives me a structure that starts my day off very well. But inside of that, there's, there's freedom to move around. Um, and it gives me the freedom to not stress about stuff. Having too many choices is not freedom. Um, anyway, that's, that's a whole different, whole different story. Um, tell me if somebody wanted to take a disc test, where do you send them to? Um, there's, there's some that are free online. I work with a program. It's a paid service that, um, I utilize. So I don't know if I want to send them there, but the, there's some free ones online and you could just Google, uh, disc unless you're, you know, doing it through a particular coach or program. I think you guys, if you're listening to this and you want help, you should reach out to Raven because she obviously knows her stuff. Um, and she'll be able to help you out. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, if you guys have been listening and you want to check out her podcast again, it is reset with Raven. It is in the show notes below. You should definitely check it out. Tell me about a little bit of what you do on your podcast. So the first season we are coming to a close and it was all about how to successfully navigate a reset in career business or life. So season two will be uh, launching in October. I'm super excited about that. And still working on what the reset in that will be. But the reason why reset came is because I, I went through my own reset and I believe the entire world is going through a reset. And I always say that we're in three buckets. You either are in a reset, you're coming out of a reset, or you're about to go into a reset. So there's some information in there for, for everybody in terms of how to successfully navigate a reset. Awesome. Well, Raven, thank you so much for coming on to all of you out there listening. Make sure you check out her podcast. Go take a disc assessment. Just email her the results. She'll probably help you with it. It has been great having you on to everyone else. Take action, change lives and make money. We will see you next week. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.